This is CliffCentral.com. Welcome to the Renegade Report. I'm Jonathan. And uh, Ramon is present, and it is bloody early on a Friday morning to record. It, but it is early. It is early. Um, it's an important still podcast. Getting into it. it is an important podcast, indeed, and an, and an important guest because, well, South Africa is uh, somewhat lawless in many ways, um, and we have a few people who really do try to keep us on the straight and narrow, so to speak. Whom? Oh, in South Africa? Yeah. Uh, who, who, who might that be? <laughs> well, well, it's, well, oh, one of my guests. Well, not us personally. Oh, um, no, you definitely not anarchist. You no. just, uh, we, we'll get into your notions I'm, of justice. I'm the most law abiding anarchist in the world. It's quite strange. Uh, are anarchists normally not law abiding? Don't <laughs> no. they just want to be left alone and, no. and, and, and to their own devices? No, anarchists Isn't tend, to, tend to, um, to go in the streets and like blow things up. But that's the lefty anarchist. Yes, no, right I think anarchist. that's the, the old view of what an anarchist is. No, but that's the left-wing anarchy. So anarchist. South Africa is an anarchy then. That's, that's a left-wing anarchy, but an anarchy nevertheless. Yeah, under the guise of respect. what, service delivery protests. Well, we've got service delivery protests. We've got people who will kind of commit crimes and feel that they don't, uh, they don't need to answer for them. You know, mm. kind of kill people in car accidents and things like that and walk away. Yeah, it tends to happen. But not anymore. Yes, which brings us to our guest. <laughs> right, <okay. laughs> well, um, as you as you may have heard, if uh, you don't pay attention to our social media platforms, our guest today is none other than Advocate Kerry Nell. Kerry um, is well known to most South Africans. Uh, should be well known to you through years of being part of the National Prosecuting Authority. And prosecuting uh, many, many cases, including some very high-profile ones. Um, Kerry, I think you became a bit famous uh, for the Oscar Pistorius trial. Um, Reluctant to do so. Um, I mean, a prosecutor never wants to be famous. I never wanted to be. Yeah. And um, yeah, but uh, the one thing about the Pistorius matter, I, I was just that. That uh, you know, at first we opposed the fact that it should be on, on live TV. But when it happened, mm. I, I was just stunned by the fact that people knew so little about what's going on in our courts. You know, before we started with that particular case, there were TV shows discussing if we still had, had the jury system. Going. I mean, <laughs> that's that's true. Yeah. And um, too much television, perhaps. Well, uh, no, you too, know, too much exposure American to American uh, court systems and so on. So, so, do you think the fact that it was televised uh, was actually a, a benefit? Indeed, I, it showed a that court work can be quite boring. <laughs> I'm joking. And number two, that well, it shows you what it means to be a prosecutor and a, it's not, a defense it's not, advocate. Yeah, it's not boring, but it's there's a process, right? Yes. And and it doesn't um, take place over sort of a 40 minute episode on television. Uh, and it, there's a, there's a, there's there's workings. Yeah, and I think the, the most important issue about the Pistorius matter was really this fact that a, law is not a court case. It's a process. Mm. If there's a court case and you're not satisfied or you think justice wasn't served, I mean, you can go and appeal, and it's a process. People criticize the process if, if it relates to the president by saying that the president's been dragging us out in courts for, for many, many years. But like anybody else in this country, um, you, you must be able to use all the processes. Yeah, and, and – 
any other person in his position would use the processes as well. Indeed, I would. If I was if I was in his position, I would I would do exactly the same. I would go through the processes, and uh, but then I really do think that that was the end now, as far as process concerned. Well, as far as the process is, yes. I mean, the SCA has said. No, the, the the decision to withdraw the the charges were irrational. So so as of now, there seems to be confusion. So as of now, he's back to where he was before Mokutelim Shed withdrew the charges. So he he has the charges already. Yeah, one hundred percent. Judge Ledwaba gave the first judgment in in the Gauteng High Court, and Judge Ledwaba went so far as to say that it's now time that the president face the charges um, in the indictment. So that's where he is at the moment. But because of the procedures and, and process, the NPA will have to enroll the matter again. Right. So they will have to draft an indictment and subpoena the, the, the president to court and start the matter fresh. Um, but I'm sure that things will happen before then. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so, so it's still a long way to go if, if the court process – I mean, it's, it's near the end – of the process, but mm. there's still a way to go. There's still time to do a lot of different. There, there shouldn't things. be. It should be a long way. I mean, it, <laughs> this is my frustration. I'm, I, you know, what are we? Almost ten years in the making of this particular case, um, and we don't seem to be towards the end. You're telling us we're getting to the end, but is the end two years, three years? You know, the, the president has shown that he has great interest in dragging this out as long as he possibly can. Um, so I'm just wondering. If he wants to make it last as long as possible before he has to sit in a court, um, how long are we talking? The one issue of criticism would be if they allow the president to make representations before they enroll the matter. Mm. Because in normal court cases, the matter will be enrolled and you will have an opportunity to make representations. Yeah, after the fact. Yeah. So it's so, on the record then. Yes. Uh, so that is the, that, that I'll criticize that. Um, and I think if you – if the accused in this particular matter was Nell, it would have been before court next week, you know, <laughs> within two weeks of the SCA judgment. But, but then, you know, we're dealing with the president of the country and we're dealing with a matter that goes back about nine, ten years. So it, it's not that easy. It's difficult. It is difficult. So, so, I mean, Mr. Nell, after 36 years in the MPA, now you're in private. What do you call it? Private, private law? How would you describe yeah, it? It's a new entity, today? really. Yeah, it's a new way of doing law. Yeah, it's exciting. You know, <laughs> it, it's unique in the world. There's, there's no other office. Oh, for, is it a unique in the world? There's no other office for private prosecutions anyway. Oh, there's never been in South Africa. Do, do you think that's a positive reflection of South Africa or a negative one? Because, um, is it is it positive that we we've got this process where there's there's freedom for public pros, prosecution, uh, well not public private prosecution, or is it a negative one in that it shows our system failing? You know, I, I would think it more to be more positive that uh, we allow people to pr privately prosecute if there's no prosecution. I just think it's it's absolutely brilliant that we allow that and that we've made um, provision for that in our law. It's a bit difficult though when we get to Things like corruption, because corruption, it's very difficult to show that you've got a peculiar interest in prosecuting a corruption matter. Because, because that's, one of the, well, that's one of the foundations. So you, as the advocate, have to show that you have been personally or your client has been personally affected by Indeed. a decision of sorts. Indeed. 
So um, we all know that people refer to corruption as a victimless crime. Yeah. So it will be very difficult to get a certificate to prosecute um, corruption. But I do think it's a perfect time to develop the law. You know, Judge Mosineke gave a judgment in the Glenister, in the Glenister case. And, and he said the following. It's a long quotation, but at the end he said, We've got time. Uh, <laughs> you know, then let me read it because it's absolutely brilliant. Go for it. Go for it. Judge Mosineke, you know, he's, he's just the fav- my favorite judge between, he, uh, between him and um, I've forgotten the judge in the uh, constitutional court. Uh, Regan. Uh, no, um, Cameron. Ah. Edwin Cameron. I mean, uh, he said, corruption threatens to fall at the knees of virtually everything we hold dear and precious in our hard-won constitutional order. It blatantly undermines the democratic ethos, the institutions of democracy, the rule of law, and the foundational value of our innocent constitutional project. It fuels maladministration and public fraudulence and imperils the capacity of the state to fulfill its obligations to respect, protect, promote, and fulfill all the rights enshrined in the Bill of Rights. When corruption and organized crime flourish, sustainable development and economic growth are stunted, and in turn, the stability and security of society is put at risk. Isn't that absolutely brilliant? If the stability of society is put at risk, then certainly society must have a right to protect themselves against this threat Hmm. and be able to prosecute if if, um, the MPRs want to. Well, absolutely. And... You know, just, just on that, on the point of our, our, our judiciary, it's been very impressive as a, as a body, um, in the past, well, I suppose decades or so. Well, where, since, since the, since the inception of the constitution. Well, certainly, but, but I suppose they've come to the fore because we've got almost a failing government in many senses. The NPA has now had issues, but we've got this judiciary, which seems to be, uh, you know, uh, have a lot of integrity and character. And it's so important because we're a constitutional democracy, democracy mm. and that, that is important. If, if, that, if the constitution is the supreme law, then certainly the courts must play an unbelievably important role, and they have been. I mean, you know, just to think of, of all the judgments we've had, but uh, recently the, the um, secret vote judgment by Judge Mkhwing um, Mkhwing, it's absolutely mm. brilliant. Mm. You know, you can read and read that judgment. It, it's like poetry. Yeah, I mean, what I like, I like that the fact that they're fighting for their for the independence. They're a very independent body, but in spirit, I think they share a lot of ideology with the ANC because they 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 are progressive body still. They they're independent, but they still share ideology and and politi- political narrative. Oh, that that's very f- philosophical. But you, sure. other people would say that with the majority of people. They shouldn't ideology uh, with the majority of people. Sure. But um, if you really look at the matters, and you know, I'm only I'm, I'm a prosecutor, finishing class. That's yeah. all I've ever been, and uh, so my area of expertise is criminal law. Mm. And in terms of criminal law, I just think it, there's very little scope to criticise our courts. Uh, eventually, if you get to the end of of the whole process, you know, yeah. if you go to the SCA and from the SCA to the uh, Constitutional Court, yeah. um, I'm very I'm confident. About what our courts are doing in, in criminal law. In criminal law specifically. Yeah. Yeah. So if I may ask, um, what is the, an ordinary in the NPA? You were there for 36 years as a prosecutor. So what does a prosecutor do day to day? What does it look like? I've seen the inside of a lawyer's office defending a criminal matter, but I've never seen been inside a prosecutor's office. Of course, office. you have, Ramon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's so much easier. We're just honest. 
dishonest or just honest? We're just honest. Oh, so, just so, honest. Much, so much easier to be a prosecutor. <laughs> um, you get allocated trials. So you don't pick the ones – people. Uh, People from on top send them to you. Uh, you know, but the more senior you get, um, the more leeway you have in 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 picking your own cases. But in general, you be you get allocated cases, and you then start preparing your cases. But it, it's not only that. I mean, there's appeals and review opinions and and so forth. But you keep yourself busy with court directed duties the whole day. Okay, and, so, so. and that's I've been a court animal forever. Uh, so, are, so, so your your job description is quite narrow. Yeah, in well, terms of criminal law, it, yeah. it, it's narrow and it's all core directed. So, when you say you were born a prosecutor, what does that mean? What characteristics do you have that's that makes you say that? Okay, I absolutely hate unfairness. I mean, I, I started studying law because I absolutely hate unfairness and I hate bullies. Now, yeah. bullies in a wide sense, you know, if somebody walks into your house armed to the teeth. Pushes you around, shoots people. That's just a bully with a gun, you know. And if somebody commits corruption, steal public money, that's a bully. That's a bully with power. But also businessmen that, that, that would collude and fix prices. That's a gang of bullies, a gang of people getting together to fix prices. Uh, I mean, we all know that, uh, 12.9 million, uh, 12.9 billion was added to the, um, Bill for the building of the um, stadiums during the 2010 World Cup. 12.9 billion by price fixing. So those are all bullies, and that's why, why I decided to be a prosecutor and remain a prosecutor. So that's your sense of justice, though, to fighting bullies in, in, a, in a much wider yeah. sense than just what? To fight bullies. In a oh, really? Yeah. Is, is that bread that's, and butter? That, that's that, it. that is about it. Um, <laughs> Because you know, it's unfairness mm. and, and it's bullies. I like, I like and, that you're and, able to explain it in simple terms. And justice as an overall term, because you know, if you go looking for a definition, in fact, recently we were having a discussion with with some uh, of our listeners, and and it, you know, someone I kind of raised what I thought justice means, but but no one kind of has an absolute sense of of what is what is justice. So so fighting the bully. And, 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 you know, getting the bully to not do what they do anymore and punishing them? Okay, well, I'll explain it this way. For justice, there should be equality. Equality before the law. Without equality before the law, they cannot – it's impossible to have justice without equality because if we don't all believe that we treat it equally in terms of the law, there will never be justice. Now, I've got uh, – you know, in terms of equality – I yeah. wrote lots of documents along. So no, that's I, fine. I have that's to. We, we're the usual unprepared, Ramon and I sitting <laughs> I here with nothing in front something. of us. But you know, the first chief justice in, in the United States was a man called John Jay. And that was in 1745. And with his speech, when he accepted the position, he said, justice is indiscriminately due to all without regard to numbers, wealth, or rank. Which is absolutely brilliant. And this particular principle goes far back as 431 before Christ, where at, at oh, the right. funeral, with the funeral of Pericles, that, that a brilliant king, uh, they first wrote um, documents about the democracy in Athena, and uh, also about the law. And remember, it's 431 before Christ. They wrote the following. If we look to the laws, they afford equal justice to all in their private differences, class consideration not being allowed to interfere with merit, nor again does poverty bar the way. For me, that's equality yeah. before the law, 
And uh, so, so it's sort of stripping away social influences indeed. and leave you as an individual, and the responsibility of your behavior and, is with you. And if I believe that, there's justice. People in 431 BC were um, classical liberals. They were woke, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's talk quickly about this this matter that's that's sort of thrust you back into the news. Um, we don't want to get into too much of the details um, because I'm sure it will be. Uh, Part of the headlines for the months to come, and 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 all the nitty gritty. But what uh, what made you decide to go after the Dudu Zani Zuma case specifically? And just give us a quick background on that. Uh, you know what happened? This matter happened in February 2014, mm. and then the NPA on two occasions decided not to prosecute. Now, one was in June 2014. They referred it to the Randburg Magistrates Court for a formal inquest. People testified. Mr. Zuma testified, was cross-examined. Other mm. people testified. And, and, sorry, he was allegedly driving his vehicle and, and, and hit another vehicle, and, yeah. and, and someone was killed in that process. Yeah. And um, referred the formal inquest record back to the NPA, decided not to prosecute again. But, but you know, what was really what, – when I was surprised when I had discussions with the family. They were never consulted, and they were never informed. Of this fact, I mean, it's it's a family that, I mean, they don't know the law. Mm. They they were just waiting for things to to happen, and if, and nothing happened. If I may interrupt quickly, is is it a requirement for the family to to um, know the reasons why there will be no prosecution well, or there will be a prosecution? I wouldn't say the reasons. You can ask the reasons, but you should know. The, I think you should inform the family that there won't be any further. Um, right. I mean, it's sort of a duty of the MPA. Maybe not a legal duty, no, but a, a moral duty, indeed. one would think. Especially if you've gone through a formal inquest for days. Sure. Um, and that was in the public eye and the public domain, and then, then nothing happened. And uh, that was the one issue. So, but strangely enough, it, it came out in, in the Gupta email leaks that there was a decision to not prosecute in August 2015. And when, when I read that, I made contact with the counsel that appeared for the family. Uh, I then made contact with the family. And the first time I met them, I mean, it came out that they were never consulted. Also, that they received no support whatsoever, no emotional or mm. financial support. Uh, there was a, a little girl. She was two years at the time, the deceased little girl. She's now five. She lives in Zimbabwe. They don't have enough money to send her to crash. And, and, you know, and, the, and those kind of things. And uh, I just thought, you know, uh, if, if Mr. Zuma was perhaps Nell, he would have been prosecuted. In terms of in terms of the after effects that you're describing, um, you you would like to take this up as a, a, a criminal matter. Yes. Assuming it goes, it, it all goes through and it becomes a court case, and, and ultimately the accused would be found, if assuming they're found guilty, um, that would lead to some sort of prison sentence or, or at least some sort of sanction. Um, what about something that looks more to pay the damages, uh, you know, of, of that child who can't go to crash, for example? We're busy with that. They, they immediately filed a claim with the road accident fund. That was in 2014. Nothing happened up until now. So we also said that wow. we'll take that on. There's a lawyer appointed, but we'll now make contact with the lawyer and we'll follow up on that. Help where you can. Yeah. But you can have two claims against Mr. Zuma. Indeed. A, a criminal claim and a civil yeah, yeah. claim. Without a doubt. Be, because, yeah. and we were discussing this before the show. I don't yeah. want to lose the point, but, um, you know, Ramon, Ramon was kind of saying, sorry, I, uh, you step in if I'm strawmanning you, but Ramon was kind of saying, well, 
surely if someone does something wrong, then we can come together as parties and agree I did something wrong. Um, what have I done to hurt you and uh, how have I affected you? And then I can kind of like pay you off in, in, in some respects. No, as it comes to a settlement that is amenable to both parties. Settlement. If it includes a, a payment, mm. yes. If it includes something else, whatever the case might sure. be. As long as there's consent on both sides, and, I think that's a justice to me. Uh, you see, yeah, and, and, and obviously we were in an argument about that. So <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, uh, one should really look at sentence. Sentence is, is not an easy, easy subject of the law. But uh, in terms of the retributive and deterrent aspects of sentence, if we can all just get together and, and sort this out, I mean, how would we ever enforce the law? How would we uh, ensure that, ju- that society is protected against criminals? Well, but even, but with respect, Mr. Nell, even with that happening now, criminals still exist. Criminals still, you know, still commit crime. Let me just tell you, you know, I've been a prosecutor for, for, for lots of years and uh, I've said all along that I think it must be the most rewarding career because I've done big cases mm. and to sit with the, the victim's family and, and the victims afterwards and to have a discussion where they tell you that we now, thank you very much. Justice was done. We can now move on. That money can't buy. Sure. And and so, how would you do that? How would you, f- when somebody feels that justice means that the person should be punished, um, and and also deterrent. Uh, you know, we we talk about things, but the deterrent value of of sentence and of the law is really important. It it keeps us in check, because if if you know that if you go to the golf club and have one too many to drink, and you drive out there, if you know it. That you'll be arrested. You'll never do it. Oh, sure. But now, now we think we won't be arrested. But but it's true. We probably won't be there. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> but, but you see, but but so for me, uh, we talk about lots of things about sentence uh, where we should talk about the predictability of the law. I, if, I, I think you're probably right. correct. I mean, I certainly don't do many things. I'm not not really bad things. I don't I don't fantasize about those. But um, you know, I, I drink and drive would certainly be one that, that I wouldn't do because I would just be like, well, it's not worth it because yes, Ramon, I probably won't get caught. But if I do, it's 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 potentially life changing in, in a very destructive manner. So I, I hear the um that side of thing. I think it, it it's interesting that you, you mention about that closure that families get. Uh, because it brings back to, you know, equal in, in front of the law. Um, because, you know, you can buy, if you have enough money, you can probably buy a way out of most things. Um, you know, the, the, the culpable homicide for, for, um, yeah, but if, for if, crashing your car if, into someone. If the victim's family agrees to it, I don't see a problem with it. Yeah. I, I, but, but I, I think maybe that's, maybe that's a, a, a sense of what, what society views as justice. Exactly. Um, in terms of that settling it just with money, money becomes nothing. Really, um, to a lot of people, I'm not saying they're right or wrong. I'm sure. saying that's a perception that that seems to exist. And and, and Ramon, that that is what I started with equality for the law sure. to ensure justice. Mm. Now, if, if you can sit with somebody and and as I just said, if, if you have enough money to pay off, or you, or you have the resources, or, you, or there's a way of doing it, and I don't, then there's no there no equality. There could be justice in the sense of the people involved in a specific incident. Yes. But not justice as should be viewed by society. Because Yeah, I mean, if there is a coherent uh, uh, view of what justice is in a society, I don't know if, hmm. I don't know if we are there but, yet. But, but just also, you know, there's civil law. 
Civil law is exactly what you're saying. Yes, no, true. I mean, you claim from someone and you settle it. So that's civil law, but criminal law is a bit different. Criminal law is, is society's way of ensuring that, that we're all law-abiding citizens. And if you don't, you have to pay for it. But if, if somebody uh, defrauds you out of something, you can follow civil law, and that's exactly what you're saying. Yeah, because, I mean, that's what, that's what struck me about when I watched you during the Oscar Pistorius case. You stepped in the shoes of, of Reva Steenkamp, or at least her family. Yeah. And you were just as angry as I expected them to be were they standing where you are. Um, how do you get to a position where where that happens? Mm. Where you you don't you don't take it personally as Kharinal, yeah. but you say my, I'm representing the interest of yeah. society in general and the family in particular. So how do you get to that? It goes back to what I said. It's I, I see crime as, as as a bully. Every criminal is a bully in some way or other. And you do take it personally, then, in some respects. You know, uh, no, not I'm, I'm not. Matter. I'm not saying you act out uh, in a personal fashion. I'm just saying you can, because it's a good question from Ramon. You know, you, you, it's almost as if you you feel it quite deeply. Um, and instead of you, you just going through the motions, um, it, it, you 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 very sincere in in your presentation. I have a sense that I must ensure that justice is done. Yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not saying you 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 you, no, you, I, you seek revenge or no. retribution, but you are you. If 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 you believe that uh, society needs justice, yeah. it would be within Herinal at that time in court. Yeah, you'll be representing all of us. Yeah, if that and, makes and sense. I'll do what, what what it takes to ensure that justice is done, and so would Bariru do what it takes to to look after his client's interest. And 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 that particular matter, I just you know, it's so much easier to go up against somebody like Barry because he's absolutely brilliant. So you could just. Go out and do what you have to do. You don't have to care about the accused. You don't have to care to be, to be seen to be unfair or, or something like that. You don't have any other obligation but to do what you have to do because you know that Barry would look after his client's interest. Right. I mean, especially Where, when, when Mr. Pistorius came out and you said, do you know what a zombie stopper is? <laughs> he says, no, I have no idea. Oh, look at this video. And you show him like shooting a watermelon with his high caliber pistol. That was very effective. <laughs> yeah. All right. So. This private prosecution concept. Um, look, it's it's uh, it, it seems like a great idea. You, you the government uh, can decide whether or not they want to prosecute. Um, am I correct in saying that if they decide, uh, Jonathan today drove into a pedestrian, the pedestrian was killed or injured, um, we've decided not to prosecute because Jonathan's a good friend of ours. Um, you can then go, I want to prosecute Jonathan, and they have to give you the uh, appropriate um, permission. If I'm able to show peculiar interest in, in their decision not to prosecute. Okay. So, uh, and, and who and decides that if, if there's a fight? Well, the, the courts will eventually okay. decide. Sure. And, and there was a, a matter, the real, you know, Kari Krill of, of mm. Reform contacted me in April 2015 uh, to join Afri Forum and to create this office. I, you know, I, I knew it was necessary to create an office, but I never knew, I didn't think it was possible. And then there was a, a judgment in the national NSPCA case. And, and that's what I would want to tell you. What happened there is they applied for a knowledge prosecutor certificate. The NBA said no. They went to Bloemfontein, the SCA. The SCA said no. And they then approached the constitutional court. Um, because everybody said that they, they did not have a right um, they the SPCA, but they, they, they couldn't show a peculiar interest. 
in that particular matter, they, they were able to use Section 8 of the Criminal Procedure Act, which gives them a right to prosecute. You know, like you can also prosecute NEMA is the uh, Energy Management Act, National Energy Management Act. It would give certain organizations the power to, to prosecute yeah. if, if the NPA should refuse. But so to answer your question, if I'm able to prove a peculiar interest, then certainly they have one of two choices. Either prosecute themselves or give a certificate. But there's one very important uh, aspect, and that is when you prosecute someone, before you start, before you initiate prosecution, you have to guarantee his cost. So if if we fail to successfully prosecute, we have to pay all the costs. Oh, is that is that the, the mechanism to, to stop frivolous private prosecution, Indeed, so that's to speak? It. But the flip side of that coin is if we successfully prosecute, they have to pay our costs. Oh, okay. And that's why the NPA is obliged to take over. If you start with a private prosecution and you're doing well, they're obliged to take over or to offer to take over to save cost. Really? Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's so, a law. So you could initiate the process. Indeed. Say you get the, the certificate from the MPA yeah. and you initiate the process and then you, you, what, the second week of trial, the MPA says, oh, by the way, Mr. Null, we want to come back Indeed. in. Is that your decision? It's my decision, okay. knowing that the, the cost will only, there will only be cost up until that stage where they offer to take over. You know, thereafter, I just carry my own cost. It happened oh, in this, right. the, the latest, um, well, one of the only successful prior prosecutions is um, a woman who was killed in Cape Town. Uh, she came from Durban. Her boyfriend lured her to Cape Town. She was killed. Yes, yes, I remember this. Um, and at sentence stage, the MPA said, "Now we want. To, now we want to get involved." The family said, "No, you know, go somewhere else. We we'll take this through." So if you if you know all those things, I mean, those three things that they have the first bite of the cherry, the NPA. Uh, when you apply, they have a second bite of the cherry. And thirdly, they're obliged to take over from you. It just becomes so clear that um, if we then successfully prosecute, who had some kind of motive, us or the people that took the decision? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the cards are already stacked against you as Indeed. a private prosecutor. As you said, there shouldn't be frivolous prosecutions. Um, it, it would be horrible if anybody can take you to court at any time and you have to… It was also clog the courts uh, quite a lot. And then you have to pay battery roost fees, which is exorbitant. <laughs> uh, but you know, do you at least kind of, beat him at golf? Yeah, I'm a much better golfer there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's great. So, so as long as you get kind of the certificate, you can then you can then prosecute. As you say, the only office like this in the world um, that 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 yeah. um, is doing this. Uh, so, should we get to the point? Where we basically just have a whole bunch of offices for private prosecution. Uh, you know, the MPA is a government entity. Government tends to do things quite inefficiently. Um, why not just go full private? I mean, we're big fans of full private on this show. You know, we like private schooling, private healthcare, private justice system. There you go. So, so why not? And, and, and it is interesting because libertarian view would be, for example, that, um, you know, government would exist for three things, protect the borders, uh, provide policing inside and, and, and provide justice or courts. Yeah, you see, yeah, I, I, I'm of a different view. I just think that the MPA is the government's way of ensuring that there's criminal justice. So, and government must be, 
if it's elected government, democratically mm. elected government, it must be an institution that would send out policies of prosecution and will make new laws, and, and so they must be able to enforce them. Uh, lots of things have happened in South Africa. You know, uh, we would not have had this discussion if we had – and I'm going to say that because I worked with Mr. Piccoli. I mean, Mr. Piccoli would – would prosecute without fear, favor, or prejudice at any day. Mm. He, he lost his job. For doing so. For doing so. He prosecuted Mr. Celebe, which was a friend of his. I mean, mm. it was a horrible time for him to go through, but he did it. So, and if we get somebody like Mr. Piccoli back, I'll be without a job. Yeah. And that is how it should be. I should be without a job. I should not be, have cases to look at because I can only look at those matters where they decided not to prosecute, but there's still merit in the prosecution. Yes. Most cases, 95% of cases that they decide not to prosecute. Yeah. It's based on merit. And I'm sure you were involved in many of those over the years, yes. deciding not to prosecute a based case. Based on merit. Based on merit. It's just those 5% of cases where… Um, it's, a bit, it's a bit gray. Yeah. 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 And, but, but for think, me… But when, think, yeah, sorry, sorry, Ramon. No, sorry, Mr. Nall. Go okay. um, You see, when we launched the office, I said, even if we address a perception of selective prosecution… We're doing, a, we're doing a, a service because there shouldn't even be a, a perception that there is um, select, selective prosecution. That's interesting. Yeah, but I mean, aren't you creating perception by going after the president's son well, well, I'm of, back of, of selective private prosecution, so to speak? Is it, I, I'm, I'm back at where I started in this. There must be merit. Yes. So – um, yeah, so, I, I think, and I think there is. Well, I'm not, I'm not a yeah. prosecutor by any means, but it seems like a clear-cut case. So, I, I'm not a parallel prosecution stream. I can't go out there and pick a case and do it. Right. They must have the first bite of the cherry. They must have a second bite of the cherry, and then we prosecute. So uh, what's the proof of putting us in the eating? If we successfully prosecute, who made the first mistake? I mean, that'll, that'll be historical. Yeah. That'll be really historical. But, a private prosecution ending up – and mm. sorry, if you um, – a private prosecution, the sentencing is obviously done by the court anyway. So you use, you use the complete – all you're doing is you're just replacing the, the NPA in the court. You're but the sentencing, everything else is done by the judge. Law of as evidence, always. law of procedure, same ju- judge, same magistrate, exactly the same, yeah. Okay. Right. So, I mean, it's interesting that basically that proposition is, is that you're actually strengthening the justice system um, by showing, you know, by, by, by if, it, if it has a lapse – you're going, all right, guys, I've seen you've maybe missed, uh, missed a trick here. Uh, I'm going to take a, a look at it. And, uh, and if you want to come in at any point, you're welcome to offer, but, but we're going to, we're going to take a look at it. And, and, and in so doing, the few small percent or few small cases that they do miss ultimately are followed up on. Indeed. Uh, you know, so people should, well, the MPA should say, that's fine. Nell, Nell's got a, a role to play. And we look at, at what, he, what his views when, when he gets matters, and, and we'll reconsider. Really, if they reconsider any of the cases that we apply for an early prosecutor certificate and they do it themselves, we've done what we set out to do. Mm. Certainly. Um, so, no, if I may ask, yeah. the, the difference between working for the NPA and working by yourself now, how, how, how is that? Because 36 years in one job is a hell of a long time. You're still doing the same job. But Probably in institutionalized. <laughs> you know, um, I would have never have made the move to, like you said, Ramon, to uh, go out and defend people. 
I, I, you know, I'm just a prosecutor. And the, the reason why I decided to do it is because I'm still just a prosecutor. <laughs> so I can still prosecute matters. It's very different. Um, it was the right time for me because I'm an old man. You know, I was sitting there contemplating retirement and, and so forth when, when uh, Afri Forum approached me. So it's a good time just to do something new. It's exciting. Uh, the one thing about uh, private prosecution is that the, N- the NPA, they just have so much more resources and, yeah. and, and um, rights in terms of mm. acts to, to do things, to, to, to gather evidence and, and those kind of things. But on the other hand, we can only go and prosecute matters based on what they had at the time. And if they decided not to prosecute, so all we need is the evidence, the case docket that they that was presented to them to um, do our case on. If we do more, then they can certainly turn around and say, now that you've done more investigation, we're willing to prosecute. Then it's fine. You know, really? So they take credit for the work you do as You know, well. uh, for me, really, it's, it's about <laughs> it's equality about for, the, yeah. for the law and it's about no selective prosecution. You know, selective prosecution, some people who prosecute and some not. But it's even worse when you prosecute somebody with no facts or with not a good case. I mean, that, that is even worse than happened. Yeah, that does happen. Yeah. So those, those things, if we can just deal with it in some way. I don't think, yeah, so if we have some success, mm. I'll be happy. But so, if I may ask, the, the last decade within the MPA, there, there were issues, though, between yourself and the, the people higher up. Uh, I, um, I can't remember, G, Mrs. Jiba and, and Lawrence Murabi, Like There were issues uh, they arrested you for yeah. for a few days. They bugged your office and your house, I believe. If I remember, this was over a decade ago. Not the nicest work environment. I mean, so yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, during your, your final few years there, did you feel like a, a pariah for, for, for doing your job? No, you see, uh, we, we're still at, at the Scorpions. Um, I think we, we dealt with more political, politically sensitive matters. Uh, in, in when we did the, um, Celebe matter, you know, we were a small team up against up against South African police service, up against lots of people, up against um, lots of people in government. Mm. But and and uh, I still see my team, uh, the team we had at the time. What happens when you when you get when we got that conviction? You know, just that that moment of thinking that it's been a hard journey, but uh, we've succeeded. That makes up for lots of things. So whatever happened uh, in the MPA. That moment that you have at the end of a case makes up for a lot. My last couple of years in the NPA, I did uh, just normal uh, cases. I, I did the Henning matter, uh, a woman that was killed when she dropped a child off. Mm, at, her at husband. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I, I became involved in the Pistorius matter and did other matters. And I kept myself out of mainstream decision-making in the NPA, oh, and really? I just became a prosecutor again. Uh, but how would you, I mean, if you were still there now, how would you feel a lot more despondent than at the time that you left? Because it seems to be a hollow shell, the MPA now. <laughs> yeah, it, it's very difficult. What I can say is if I, if I think back of, of, to the MPA and my years there, it's definitely um, 10 years or more back that, 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 that I'm Oh, uh, right, yeah. right. So, uh, and we think back at, at those times and, and, and so on. And uh, I enjoyed it. You know, I was a born prosecutor, uh, and uh, I 
I prosecuted uh, in the Darby Lewis um, Valus case. That, that, oh, all the way that, back then? Yeah. Okay, and, the Chris Honey's assassination. Yes. And so um, I've, been here, I've been around forever, and uh, I've enjoyed it. I really have. You know, if, if I look back at my career in the MPA, and, and because it happens to all our old people, you just, you just think of the good times. Yeah. Uh, and the good successes and so on. Mm. So I'm happy. Sitting where I am, I'm happy. Tell me, tell me a little bit about the teams that you work with, because I think what we see, and 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 you know, you've mentioned the positives of filming the Oscar Pistorius case. Uh, I suppose one of the negatives is that it's sort of we all knew you, we it's all knew Barry Rue. Um, we all knew Milady. Um, <laughs> you know, the the door became part of our lives. Um, there were there were there, everyone became almost a prop. Um, but there's a lot we don't see behind the scenes. Uh, investigators and researchers and what goes into uh, you know a, a case, even a normal, just a, a relatively straightforward case, so Hello. to speak. A prosecutor is nothing without a team. You know, I cannot do all that. Uh, let me just give you examples. We're we busy with the celebrity matter, and it's a Sunday night, and I'm busy cross-examining the accused, and the man, Chris Goes, phoned me late, late on a Sunday. He said, you think he got something? Can he come across? So Chris came across, and one of the biggest things we had in the celebrity matter was uh, the money laundering with, with um, his uh, overseas flights where we'd – uh, declare mm. when he leaves, he would take 20,000, but when he comes back, he would cash in 60,000 or 40,000 rands. So it was a way of laundering money. Right. So, you know, it took Chris a whole night to explain to me what, 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 <laughs> what it's all about. Yeah, how it works. How it works. So, and the same with, um, you know, if, if you cross examine any, any expert, there's an expert behind the scenes that, that helps you to understand, um, what the, what what the person said, so it's it's lots of experience to be able to take what you can from 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 the the teams. But I um I had brilliant teams, I had brilliant teams in in this labour matter, absolutely brilliant. You know, uh, what was important there is for a team that that didn't get scared. The prosecutor got arrested, spent time in prison, but the team stuck with us. You know, the team stuck with me when I got out. They were still working, and, and we, we carried on working. So you need a team to for different cases. Mm. In, in the Pistorius matter, I had a brilliant team of, of experts, of investigators. So for every case, the prosecutor is as good as his team. The defense counsel is as good as the evidence of his, of his client. And how much money there is. Indeed. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, no, no. Um, excellent. So – Sure, my train has just gone off that way. Uh, I, I wanted to ask: um, the celebrity matter gets gets, uh, I suppose, forgotten in some respects uh, amongst the Pistorius case. But in in many ways, the celebrity case was much bigger for the country. Um, you know, here was a police commissioner who had extensive power. Uh, he was uh, head of Interpol, I think, at, at the time. Uh, so, you know, not only the head of our policing service, but pretty much the international policing service. Um, it, it, it really does get, get quite lost in, in, in all of it. Um, what do you, but what I, what I want to, what I want to get to is what do you think of 
the your this is your personal opinion on parole and the way parole is 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 is, is kind of seemingly from my perspective as a citizen uh, unfairly uh, yeah. doled out. Let's talk about selective parole. Okay, I'll deal with parole, but can I just say something about celebrity? Yeah, matter? go you know, for it. It, it. it was without a doubt the most difficult matter I ever prosecuted. Um, not only in terms of the circumstances of the case, but also in terms of the law. Um, we did really well in terms of the law, and it's more so because Judge Joffe understood corruption, so did the SCA. But I, I want to read a quote from this particular case so that whoever listens to this, if, yeah. you, if you just remember this quote and you read any front page of the newspapers, again, you understand what corruption is because we tend to overcomplicate corruption. Mm. We think it's so difficult. As soon as you get to corruption, you think it should be KPMGs and PWCs that should investigate it's not really that. It's as easy as the following. The court said, The appellant must have realized that Agliotti's generosity and the payments he received from him create a dynamic whereby he, in his post as head of the nation's police, would be indebted to him and would have to remain willing to do him favors. That's it. Yeah, simple as that. That's it. And, and it's not, there's no um, reciprocity, you know, yeah. reciprocity. What's the word? Reciprocity, um, yeah. I think. Um, Reciprocal actions. That's a word. That's oh, a right. very good word for Afrikaans speaker. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, well done. <laughs> uh, so you don't, as if you receive something with a corrupt intent, or you, or you, you hand something over with a corrupt intent. If I know, and and just think back about three weeks in the front page of the Sunday Times or City Press, if I know you're paying me to fix something up at the SOE, I just know that's why you're paying me. In terms of the law, you're guilty of corruption. You know, uh, so corruption is as, and that's my view of it, it's as easy as your intention in receiving or accepting a gift or a, um, a benefit. Well, I yeah. think some cabinet ministers might be guilty just in accepting their posts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, a good point, actually. Good <laughs> so, point. Okay, so parole, as far as parole is concerned, over all the years, uh, I really made, made, made a point of, of, not dealing with the matter of the sentence, and and it's not the the role of a prosecutor to, to do, or the NPA. The NPA should not be part of it, except in advisory um, capacity. capacity with regards some, to the case. Yeah. But um, it 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 correctional services that yeah. their speciality. They should deal with it. If there's problems there, uh, they should deal with it. Prosecutors should never be blamed or even asked to deal with. Um, but, uh, but, but with respect, I think it's still, it's still a shit feeling if you do prosecute someone that that you know that that could be dangerous to endanger your life, endanger a few other people that you know, and then you prosecute someone, you're happy, and then five years later he's like out. Like a celebrity was ill, unlike someone else. Uh, absolutely, someone absolutely. else we know. But I mean, all that hard work, and you like, was justice really served? You see. From, from my point of view, yes, I think that the, the moment that, that there's a sentence, the moment that there's a, a judgment, on that moment there's justice. And, and that is the role I can play. They, they, they have lots of other specialists in, in correctional services. You know, we should be very careful not to extend what we think our role should be because just look at bail at the moment. You know, yeah. there are people saying that if there's lots of people um, threatening society that if somebody gets bail, you should oppose bail or bail should not be granted. 
and, and there's a set of rules that you should follow to grant bail or not yeah. because the flip side is also true. If I want somebody to get bail, I can do exactly the same. Yeah. I could go out and burn place, places and, and do lots of things and say, if you don't give that person bail, more will follow. So, and, and the same with parole. Yeah. There should be people dealing with it. There should be a set of principles. For me, it's more important that if there's a set of principles that it's applied equally to everyone. Now, if there's a set well, of and, well, yeah, and it, it, should, it should go without saying. I mean, that's the point of the law: yeah. equal application. Yeah. So, for me, if you ask me about that, if if there's an instance where there's not e- equal application of the principles of parole, certainly it's unfair. But do you feel frustrated uh, nowadays with with how the MPA is not acting, um, with with how just blatant everything is, just how blatant justice is not being served. How, how, does it, how do you get affected personally if, if you do? Or you just say, I'm focusing on my one case and everything else. No, can not just, really. Okay, you're you a know, citizen of the, the country. <laughs> you know, um, I've been giving talks in quite a few places. And I remember the one instance in, in Frey, Natal. Afterwards, um, a more mature lady said, you know, she's not so fed up with, with all the corruption and, and the front page of the newspaper. She doesn't follow the news. She doesn't want to read the news because it's just too much for her. I'm quite the opposite. Every time I read about something, I know it's, I, I know it's out in the open. Somebody can deal with it. And if we don't know about it, we can't deal with it. So whatever – and this, so it's my answer. As long as we as we able to identify it, and deal with it, we should. And then secondly, then society should play the role. We have the media playing the role. We have the media playing the role in the Gupta emails. So we have the media mm. playing the roles in exposing lots of things. And that's brilliant. Mm. But now society should step up and do it. You know, it might be rude or crude, whatever you want to say. But if somebody complains and complains and they're doing nothing, I say they're wasting my time, really. They should be willing to also do something. Sure. And then we can all deal with it. So to answer your question, that's where society should play a role. But I think there are, though. I mean, civil society is very, very strong now. Um, Outers in court every second week. Um, who else? Uh, Helen Susan Foundation. Yeah, they're, cool. they're doing brilliantly. I mean, they do brilliantly. And they get funded by a lot of public donations, Indeed. it seems. So I say that if you're willing to fund them and if you're willing to support them, then you have reason to complain and we listen to you. Yeah, but it just seems, I mean, personally, it just seems futile after a while if you just... <laughs> Because Helen Sussman goes after just, you know, judicial uh, appointments made by the president or by the executive. It takes five years or six years for the court to say, yes, the person appointed was not qualified to be appointed. But it's a, it's a very simple thing for the executive to do, but it's a very difficult thing for us to undo yeah, yeah, see, in terms of cost and time and, and things like that. That's that, the problem. That's an argument, but without civil society, where would we have been? No, true. So you could do a little – but I think there's, a, do there's, a, there's an imbalance of, of power in that regard. It takes money, effort, and time to undo a decision that can be made in one second by the president. Yeah. But if it's not done, then that's the only, only role we can play. It makes me think uh, interesting point about the democratization of our justice system or, or, or not, actually. Because, you know, you mentioned we are a constitutional democracy. But as far as our court system and our ju- judiciary is concerned, we're, we're not a democracy, really. Um, and, and you know, I know this happens now, you know, in the United States, you can vote for your district judge, uh, which has its own problems because, you know, 50, 60 years ago when not every single human on earth was political, 
um, then your district judge would be a guy you thought was the best for the job or a woman you thought was best for the job. Um, now everything's politicized. So voting, getting the general populace to vote for a judge might not be a great idea. Um, so we don't have that system. We have the system where we vote for the executive and the executive then appoints uh, the judges. Well, no, the judges have a, their own special yeah, way. Well, he, he JSC. can – the JSC J- does it. JSC, but, but, but still the parliamentarians and other people – Sign off. Of it. They have a say, yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, I, I think – do you still think that is the best system given – assuming a completely corrupt executive – um, is it is it still Why a working you? system? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I really do because in terms of the JSC, your peers get an opportunity to um, nominate you to challenge your judgments and, and and what you've done over years and and uh, the 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 proof of the eating the proof of putting it's in the eating because you know when Judge Mukwing Mukwing was appointed, everybody said, okay, that's the end. He, he yeah. was he was appointed by yeah. the president. That's the end. We should have been uh, Judge Moseneke. I was one of them. Yeah, so, oh, did, oh, so, oh, so, so we, we we were wrong. So we were wrong. It's yeah. brilliant. Judge Mukwen Mukwen came. It turned out to be uh, unbelievable. Um, Chief Justice. Chief Justice. No, unbelievable. No, very strong, I mean, independent. Yeah. In, indeed. So, uh, yeah, I would. I get this question a lot. Let's criticize the the, the process. If it fails us, at the moment it's not. At the moment, I think. We oh, can, really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, the process. I mean, it seems like it failed us because it takes so long. Well, maybe only, that's the problem. You know. Um, but I mean, you, we can't control that. It's that wheels of justice thing turn slowly. Yeah. I'm an old man. Let me quote something again. <laughs> <laughs> no problem I'm at all. I'll quote a minute, but let me just quote a Churchill. Oh well, you're welcome to just read <laughs> Churchill for the rest of the podcast, as far as I'm Churchill concerned. Churchill said. And he said that on the 23rd of July, 20, 1929, justice moves slowly upon its path, but it reaches its goal eventually. And that's important. It should reach its goal eventually. I can just picture your office with all these framed quotes all over. Do you have framed quotes of Churchill <laughs> and, and opposite dictums of judgments? Do you have those all over your office no, in, no. in frames? <laughs> no, no. I, I've got them all here, up here. <laughs> Understated. So let's uh, – we've got a few more minutes. Let's just uh, – Talk about you a little bit. Um, you know, you said you were going to leave the NPA, potentially retire, you know, then this other opportunity came up and, and it is groundbreaking what you're doing really, because this hasn't happened anywhere else before. Um, but what are you, what are you doing besides golfing in your spare time and, and, and how are you enjoying your life? Well, no longer a civil servant. If you ask my family, they'll tell you I just golf <laughs> every, every free moment I have. Uh, but I've got an, uh, another passion, and that I've been a wrestler forever, and I'm a oh, wrestling really? coach. I'm, I'm a wrestling coach at, at Menlo Park Wrestling Club. Like, um, sorry, like Greco-Roman wrestling. Greco, Greco-Roman WWE, and, and freestyle, you know, Olympic wrestling. Okay. And I've been a coach of four, five, six-year-olds for almost 20 years now, and I do it every week. Every Tuesday and Thursday, I go to a club, and I coach these youngsters, and, and I walk in. You know, be, and I'm stressed and I think about the, what happened. And then I turn into Coach Harry. And <laughs> the next two hours is just brilliant. Is Coach Harry popular or is he uh, very strict? And, no, and I'm strict. And, but it's, so, no, I'm strict. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I enjoy this youngsters. You know, they, 
they do brilliant things and and um, they're so eager to please and uh, yeah no so for me that's the, the week that's what I do I escape to the wrestling club and uh, I'm a coach there and then weekends I play golf well, uh, you know, Ramon won't join you on a round, but... Uh. I used to play golf when I was young. It's, it's, as, as church, I'll give you another Winston Churchill quote. It's, it's the best way to spoil a good walk. Yeah, a good walk spoiled, yeah. <laughs> uh, wonderful. Ramon? Yeah, abolish sports, basically, is what I'm trying to is say. Is that how we end off a great podcast on the law and justice? So, no, no. So, I just want to know... Uh, so, Mr. No- so, is it Mr. Noel or Advocate Noel? No, no, what, what it's Harry. It's Harry. Get it? Listen, um, I've got another quote about what you, about sport and so on. Oh, yeah, yeah. please. You get the bell. You get the bell is a chairperson of Transparency International. There was a, this um, conference, and the theme of the conference is, is um, integrity antidote for corruption. So, obviously it is, but there were d- brilliant papers um, delivered. Let me just quote from her. She said, integrity is not something that can be administered. It's something that must come from within. It must be inherent, and if it's not inherent, inherent it must be learned. But then she went further and she said, Children learn everything by example. That is why youth role models in the home and in school is so important. But it seems that in our society today, the kind of role models that stand for integrity are lacking. Our sport heroes routinely come up wanting. Our politicians really project the kind of image children can look up to. We clearly lack an abundance of Nelson Mandela's on the world, world stage. So sport and law and, and all those kinds of disciplines just show integrity. And if you can just teach people integrity through sport, through through anything. Yeah. I mean I, I agree, but I'm I'm not I'm not I'm a cynic. Mm. I'm I'm the most cynical person you'll probably ever meet in your I life. Think we all are. I like I like people. I don't I dislike people in authority. Yeah. I think authority changes the way people behave. But it shouldn't. And and the and the one aspect that would ensure that it's not is integrity. Inherent integrity, because if if uh, if you're a good person, uh, sure, you know, doing what you're doing, and, and you stay that way no matter what position indeed. you hold. But yeah. people don't, though, and it's, it's scientifically proven. I mean, we have we're having a psychologist on in a few weeks to to tell us why <laughs> that is the case. How what power does to your to, to your, your brain. psyche? Yeah. yeah, no, it's true. But yeah, unfortunately. But nevertheless, I mean, Mister Noel, I think personally, South Africa is much better having an option. An option like you, not you specifically, but the business that you hold as a private prosecutor. I think um, every aspect of government should have a backup that people can go to, and uh, I think it's a very positive move. And uh, I wish you, I wish you all the best. Thank you. Yeah, and good luck, good luck with this first case. I assume there will be others. Yes, there will be others. There definitely will be others. Certainly. All right. Well, do you want to do you want to give us a little tidbits just it, just for our listeners? It's only it's just just our yeah, It will be matters that the NPA decided not to prosecute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. That is some some very uh, deep Break, insights. Breaking news. Break, breaking news. Uh, right. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your time uh, and for coming from Pretoria because we're you know in the scummy Joburg over here. So uh, apologies, but uh, thank you so much. Thanks for joining us and uh, to all of you. Thank you for listening. You can find us as always. On Facebook, uh, Renegade Report page and Renegade Report group. Twitter at Renegade underscore report. 
Harry, uh, are you on Twitter? Because there's someone pretending to be you on Twitter. Yeah, and I enjoy reading about him, <laughs> but I'm not there. <laughs> someone uh, pretending, to be, not me. pretending to be you and someone pretending to be Barry, but uh, but yeah. not, not real Harry. Uh, or real Barry. Not Definitely real Harry. not real Barry. Ramon is at Roman Kabanak. I'm at Jonathan underscore Witt. If you like the podcast, you can donate on Patreon. Thank you again for listening. We'll catch you next time. Cheers. This is CliffCentral.com.